In the name of one God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So, what are you giving up for Lent? That's kind of the question, isn't it? The liturgical, liturgical Christians ask each other about this time of year. And you may have noticed, in fact, that many historically non-liturgical Christians have, in the last few years, few decades maybe, just begun to pick up Ash Wednesday and Lenten disciplines as well, Baptists and non-denominational Christians looking for something ancient, more profound? What are you giving up for Lent? It's a good practice and a rich tradition. But there's a problem with giving something up for Lent, and that is actually the same problem that giving up something is meant to address. When we start comparing what we're giving up for Lent, it has a tendency to become sort of a gold star. You know, like uh, a practice of white-knuckle one-upmanship. Who can do the most the best? Uh, I have mentioned before that one year I gave up for Lent every drink except for water. And I did it solely because I heard that someone else had done it and it sounded really impressive and tough, and I wanted to be really impressive and tough. And so our Lenten disciplines can actually become a source of pride when the very thing that the discipline is supposed to do is to aid us in addressing our pride. They're supposed to free us of our relentless commitment to ourselves and yet we twist them and use them to swell our sense of self. Incidentally, that year that I gave up every drink but water, I spent Lent ticked off and resentful and tired because, you know, no coffee. So. I would picked a discipline that was only about me. And I'm sure it wasn't that way for the other person who had picked that uh, purposefully and uh, with piety. But the problem was not that I gave up drinking everything but water. The problem was my own heart. That was the problem. Could I do it? Could I have the willpower? Could I be as tough as that other person? It didn't have anything to do with Jesus. Or with preparing myself for Good Friday and Easter. Or even with offering myself to God in a meaningful way. And that is basically what is happening in our very hard-hitting passage from Isaiah. You know, of course, 700 years before Jesus, they didn't have Lent. But fasting, that is, giving something up, was a regular religious practice. And I want you to notice, as you look at the passage from Isaiah, they have not stopped the religious practice. Like, that's maybe what we would expect, that God is lamenting, you know, oh, they've stopped their fasts, or they've stopped their sacrifices, they've stopped their worship. 
That's not the problem at all. Like, they're in church all the time. They're fasting regularly. Maybe they're fasting from meat or maybe from food altogether for a day or two. The problem is not the practice. The problem is the, is the practice is not changing their hearts. The problem is not the practice. The problem is that the practice is not changing their hearts. He says, day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. See, rather than allowing their fasts and their other religious practices to cultivate holiness in their hearts, they're viewing their practices transactionally. Transactionally. All right, God, I gave up meat. Now you give me what I want. Okay, God, I went to temple. Now you hold up your end of the deal and bless me and bless my family. And it's not happening. And they're irritated with God. Why do we fast, but you're not even seeing it? Why even humble ourselves if you're not going to notice? And God says, very frankly, on your fast days, you are serving your own interests. You're still oppressing your workers. You're still fighting and quarreling. You're still sitting idly by injustice and poverty. Your own family relationships are broken and you're hiding from them. You're pointing the finger. You're speaking evil. And on and on he goes. He says, do you think I take, you think I just take delight in seeing heads bowed down low and seeing you put on sackcloth and ashes? You think that's the point? Do you think I don't care that you're just going to leave the temple and go about your business of, of promoting yourself at the expense of others? This is essentially the same thing that Jesus is getting to in the portion of the Sermon on the Mount that we uh, have in our gospel passage. The hypocrites are praying on the street corner to be impressive. They're getting their reward. People are impressed. The hypocrites are fasting, but they're sure making everybody knows they're, they're suffering to be impressive. People are impressed. They're getting their reward. Again, just like in Isaiah, the problem was not a lack of religious practice. The problem was the heart behind the religious practice. But you, Jesus says, you go and say your prayers and do your fasts in private so that you are disciplining yourself to be content with the fact that God sees you and He is your reward. He's your reward. We'd all do well to ask ourselves this Lent if in our hearts we consider God's notice and God's delight a sufficient reward. So, let's talk about Lent. And then let's talk about ashes. And then let's talk about what we're giving up for Lent. I think you can probably see why the passages from Isaiah and Matthew are the passages with which we begin Lent. 
Because none of us escapes. None of us gets out of these passages alive, right? They both close in on us and force us to examine the most motivational impulses of our hearts and the motivation behind our so-called religious disciplines. And that examination will inevitably lead us to repentance. And so then Lent fundamentally must begin not with what we do for God, but what, with what God has done for us. Not with what we do for Jesus, but with what Jesus has done for us. We begin Lent by aiming for Good Friday's cross, not in anticipation of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, but because Jesus has already died on the cross for our sins. Wise sacrifice, the way that we typically prepare for Good Friday. Well, it's because Good Friday says that Jesus sacrificed himself for us. Our small sacrifices are not the means to the heart of God. Our sacrifices are, are a reflection of the heart of God. I'll say that again. Our small sacrifices are not the means to the heart of God. Our sacrifices are a reflection of the heart of God. We make small sacrifices for him to remember his once and for all eternal sacrifice for us. Lent starts with his action, not ours. Lent starts with his sacrifice, not ours. Lent starts with Jesus giving up his life to save us, not with us giving up chocolate to prove our willpower to him. And so examine your heart. Examine your heart. And that brings us to the ashes. In just a minute, I'm going to invite you to come and receive ashes on your forehead. In the sign of a cross. And I want to assure you that these ashes will not come with any point values. All right? They're not going to make you more righteous. There is no sense even in which you should or should not come and receive them. Is this the fast that I choose, God might ask of us, to see you with ashes on your forehead in public? Of course not. Of course not. So why receive ashes? The ashes are a sign of humility. And as we put them on your forehead, we're going to say to you, remember that you are dust, and to dust you will return. And we're going to say the same thing to an infant or to the elderly, to the rich or to the poor, to the self-righteous elder brothers and to the wild child prodigal sons. We're going to say the same thing, you are dust, and to dust you will return. Ashes are a sign to all of us of our inherent smallness. But it's not just a smudge, is it? It's in the shape of a cross. Because the ashes also point us to the redemption that we have in Christ. Out of death comes life. More than likely, when you were baptized, a priest or a minister 
uh, made the sign of the cross on your forehead in the very same place where we're going to put the ashes. And that minister said to you, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit in baptism and you you are marked as Christ's own forever. The ashes humble us, but they also point us to our station as children of God. You are sealed, marked as Christ's own forever. And I want you to see it. I want you, if you get the ashes, I want you to take a minute in front of a mirror or take a selfie and just spend some time with the ashes on your forehead. Your dust. And to dust you will return. And yet, you, you, are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and you are marked as Christ's own forever. Spend some time with your ashes. And then, should you keep them on? Well, examine your heart. If you want people, you want to get out of here and go to the store, you want people to see that you're righteous, Wipe them off. <laughs> you want people to notice, go, wow. Wipe them right off. But on the other hand, if you're a little embarrassed by the cross, you're afraid of what people might think, keep them on. See, both of those things are pride. And whichever way your pride pulls you, go the opposite direction. Go the opposite direction. It's not about whether you wipe them off or keep them on. It's about the heart. And so Lent begins not with our sacrifice, but with the sacrifice of Jesus. And the ashes humble us, but they point us to the cross. So, what are you giving up for Lent? I googled things to give up for Lent and got a lot of hits. Of all places, good housekeeping. Offered some ideas. Give up shopping online. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Stop right there. (laughs) More of a reaction than I thought. (laughs) Give up shopping online. Give Give up your phone during dinner. Give up social media. Give up music in your car. Give up gossip. Give up snacking. And of course, give up chocolate or all sweets. And let me say, all these things will add value to your life. At any time during the year, these are good things to do, right? Just as there could be value in Isaiah's day to bowing one's head low in repentance and donning sackcloth and ashes. There could be value. These things that the magazine suggested will add value to your life, but will they add Jesus to your life? And that, of course, depends on the posture of your heart. What is the goal of your Lenten discipline? What's the goal of your Lenten discipline? 
God doesn't see, God doesn't want you to go without chocolate unless every time you impulsively reach for chocolate but pull back, you are reminded to be grateful for Jesus' sacrifice for you. Your discipline should cultivate holiness, should cultivate your relationship with Jesus and bless the world around you. Could you not just give up social media, but instead use that time to volunteer at a food bank? Could you not just give up snacking, but instead give the money you would have spent on your snacks to a mission agency like World Vision or her song or St. Mary's Church downtown? Could you not just give up shopping online, but use that time to read Scripture daily? The point of Lenten disciplines is not to prove ourselves, but to cultivate our heart's holiness, to develop the discipline and the love of drawing nearer and nearer to the Lord of life all throughout the year. To make a meaningful Lent, don't just give up something that's not really inconvenient. Find something that will help you give up yourself to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. So, what are you giving up for Lent? Amen.